Hello, true believers, and welcome to the latest episode of A Marvelous Escape. This podcast at The Escape is looking at the weekly release of the Marvel television show streaming on Disney+, and also the internet's favorite podcast covering monsters at work, at least according to our <laughs> comment section. Um, I'm Darren Mooney. I'm Casey Wosu. And I'm Amy Campbell. All right, now normally at the start of this, I do a little bit of warming us up, getting us ready. But in the group chat this morning, one member of our intrepid trio jumped right on and was like, I can't wait to talk about this. So I'm going to cede the floor. Amy, what did you make of the latest episode of Loki that is the Nexus variant? Or the Nexus I event? I loved it. The Nexus I event, yeah. I loved it. 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 Um, to me, now I want to say, before I go any further, there's one thing I would like to say. Um, want to plant a bit of a flag here to discuss it when we get to the review, like the like full season, what we thought. One thing that I, I felt like at the end of this episode, I sat there and I went, I feel like they've played me in the best possible way. I felt like they TVA'd us in that <laughs> it, it almost felt to me like the first three episodes were setting up a very distinct idea of what you thought was going to happen. And then yeeted it out the window and said, no, this is Loki and that was never going to happen. Um, he is a god of mischief and we gave you that. And it just went so off the rails in the best kind of way. And I loved everything about that. And I'm going to be really interested to see how the next two episodes play out and if if it really was an extended pacing thing that wanted to lull you into a sense of security before it kind of gave you something completely different. Um, I really enjoyed it. And then the after credits scene, I just, I was living. It was, it was beautiful. I, like, I'm going straight for the spoilers here. So if you haven't watched it, like. <laughs> we've, we've covered this. You should watch the show yeah, before. Like, what are you doing here yeah, yeah. if you have not yeah. watched this, this episode? <laughs> Just in case, just in case you just really like hanging out with us. The second I saw that crocodile with the helmet, I died. <laughs> I, I was it like, wasn't, it wasn't like Oscar nominated actor Richard E. Grant in Halloween costume. It was like, I am ride or die for the crocodile. Thank you very much. I, I am ride or die for the crocodile. <laughs> I don't care about it. I was like, Crokey Loki, I want it. I don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I can't wait yeah. to find out. Crokey. Um, yeah, Crokey. <laughs> that works. That fits. It feels works. right. It works. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to actually get to the point, I liked that it was chaotic and there were so many different things that kind of just happened to you and them all in that episode that it kind of did all culminate to this moment for it to now just go, all right, here we go. Um and I'm not mad about that. I, I kind of liked it and and was just really excited by what I was watching and, and where it's planning, I guess, to go. I Because I have no idea and I haven't felt like that the last few episodes. I genuinely left that episode smiling my ear to ear going, I have no idea what's coming next. And that excites me so much. So, yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and Casey, what about yourself? What were your immediate takeaways from the next uh, event? Yeah, same boat. Like uh, that, especially that ending credit scene, like Amy said, like it, it legit made me kind of chuckle out loud. Like I was like, oh, this is like hilarious. This is awesome. I can't <laughs> wait to see what the hell this is about. But yeah, like overall, um, I, I do think that this was probably the best episode of the show mm. that we've seen thus far. Like it, 
it pretty much encapsulated all the stuff I was excited about. Um, the premise for this show, like from all the trailers and stuff, like the first episode, which I loved a lot and like how I was completely all in on like all this TVA, like super extra dimensional nonsense. They had it in spades in this episode. They had all of the banter of Loki and Morbius, as well as the banter of Loki and Loki. Like they, they really just kind of hit on all cylinders. The only place I will say like they, they maybe kind of phoned it in was in the fight choreography which I, I mentioned this earlier, like the last episode was full of it and it's kind of like, it's fine. Like it's not terrible. It just serves its pers- purpose at the base level. But like in and of itself, like it's just not at all kind of a draw. And I guess that's fine, especially when everything else that's going on in the episode is so interesting. Like I, mm. like everybody was doing their part to basically sell me on the stakes, um, the situations, like like, I don't remember who Sif is or why that person's relevant to Loki, but the fact that he his punishment was to be in this time loop where he hurt that person and she kept coming in to punish him for it. And he basically is like apologizing for it in a very earnest way. Like, I was like, I forgive you, Loki, even though you didn't <laughs> cut my hair. <laughs> but like, like, even just those little moments that really don't serve a ton of purpose to like the overall plot, I still felt like hit in terms of just the Loki has come so far now. Right. Mm. So like I, I was absolutely in love with this episode. Oh. Um, the information that it dealt out to us also like just has all of my curiosity peaked. Like I love how much we know slash don't know about the TVA mm. all in this one episode. Like they gave us yeah. stuff that they gave us a lot of stuff to think about here. Yeah. So like I'm really excited about the next two. All right, well, before we move on, two quick things. First thing is, I, if I remember correctly, and I may be misremembering my Norse mythology, I think that bit where he cut her hair is actually taken from classic Norse legends, which I really liked, a nice little in-joke. Oh, okay. It's one of Loki's historical pranks. And the second thing, and this is something that I know people in the comments are just waiting to hear, I know we're probably jumping ahead by discussing it, but Casey, did you... Did you feel that moment with Mobius? Did you did you finally break ah. through your Owen Wilson barrier? Like when you got to the end credit scene, were you disappointed that it wasn't Mobius waking up and staring at a copy of like the cowboy from Night at the Museum as Lightning McQueen and I guess um, the other character from Zoolander? Uh-huh. I I want to make I want to make this clear, okay? Okay, right. I oh we're going on the still record. Dislike Owen Wilson. <laughs> Owen Wilson has done nothing to basically change how I feel about how odd and creepy and out of place he is in most of what he does. But the role of Mobius is a good one for him. Like it does fit him and he's doing a good job in it. So Mobius, I, the character I actually do like, I, I love but like I can, in my head, compliment. I can separate yeah. Mobius from Owen Wilson. <laughs> that is such a qualified compliment. It's like, okay, Wilson, you get this one. <laughs> you get one until till next time yeah wilson um all right well i guess we'll, we'll come back to like the the mobius sequence because i do think there's a lot to talk about there particularly in terms of like is he going to stay dead but in terms of things i noticed this week i also had the same reaction to it i i think this is easily the best episode of the show to date i am so far based on the last episode and this episode i am i think firmly in the pocket of the show despite starting out skeptical 
I would go so far as to say that if they do not mess up the landing on this, so if this show doesn't end with a sequence where Loki is like, I don't know, rescuing Miss Minutes from Sylvie and saying, we all need to sit down and have a conversation about you being a fascist organization. If the movie, if the show stops short of that, I'm fairly sure it's, it'll work out pretty well. Um, but I, I, I would go on record and say that so far I am probably enjoying this as much as any MCU project since Thor Ragnarok in 2017. Mm. which feels appropriate enough. It's it's I I think this is the first time watching it I've really felt kind of swept up and yeah. excited and and invested. And as Amy said, not entirely sure what's going to happen next, but also at the same time trusting that what's going to happen next will be fun and interesting and kind of compelling. And actually while I was watching it, I did note last week we had the conversation about the conversation between Loki and Sylvie and Amy's question um, about like what makes a Loki a Loki and the the argument that last week we maybe didn't get into that last week was more just like you can be Loki and you can be two radically different things I like that this week it opens with Loki and Sylvie having that conversation and Sylvie basically saying well maybe being a Loki is a philosophical concept and it's the idea that the universe maybe needs a little chaos in it to bring down these broken systems and I thought that was a really clever way of like boiling Loki down to the essence of the character. But also I think one of the big meta narratives of the show has been the question of like Loki has always been the villain. Loki has always been the foil. He's been the bad guy. What does it look like where Loki is the hero of a story? What kind of story does it have to be for us to be rooting for Loki and for him to have agency? And I like that this seems to have settled on. Yeah, it's a story where you're rooting for chaos you're rooting for mischief and i thought that was a very very clever way of approaching kind of that point but on to okay on to the big stuff so let, let's let's kick off because I, I have a lot of questions about this um yeah. first thing we we called and i think most of us called it and i think we called it correctly is the idea that uh the tv that the tva the timekeepers would not be real and I was mm-hmm. I was actually quite impressed with this episode because it faked me out because it, it you get the pre teaser sequence yeah. where yeah Ravona goes and visits them and they're sitting there like oh crap they are actually real and then you get the <laughs> moment where she drags like Loki and Sylvie down and they're talking to them and you're like oh crap they are real and then the heads pop off you're like wow that was actually a really good double fake out um, what do we think of that what do we think of like the timekeepers the the TVA what's happening there. Oh, go, go, Amy. Go, Amy. Looks see you to go. <laughs> My immediate thought was it was probably one of the cheesier parts of the episode because I agree. I was in that first, like, bit before the, like, Loki flashes yeah. up. I started laughing hysterically, like whacking my partner, like <laughs> all three of us were wrong. <laughs> They're real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I when we got to the scene and they were there and just the way the characters started talking, I'm going, this is about to Wizard of Oz the shit out of yeah, me. That, yeah, that was the vibe I got yeah. from the beginning. And yeah, they were in there yeah. with like the echoey voices and all the mystique. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not buying this anymore. There's a, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of you're smoke machine for here for like the keepers of time, you know? Yeah. So you're waiting for the curtain to drop and like, I'm just sitting there going, well, then who's behind the curtain? Because- it it really does feel like one of the things we discussed before is that it's probably Ravona. Uh and it kind of leads you thinking maybe it's not because she's lying there to then go zap to Loki. But at the same time I think we had that pre-shot where she walks in and sees them. Um but then came out with like instructions and things. So is that because she had orchestrated them herself? 
is the yeah, only I do think thing I can an, think. Yeah, that that's an odd scene, right? To have her actually talking to them with really no one around to like question mm. it. And then to, like, why would she bother to go through that motion? Is she the one pulling the strings? I would be a little disappointed if we do, because I've said this before, like if we just get a super late show villain introduction, like, oh, hey, mm. I'm the villain who's been doing all this stuff. And it's like, hi, who are you? <laughs> right? I'm Kang. Like, I conquer stuff. Um. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that might be a big and, and, and that's why I worry it could be coming after this episode, because that's a big for the comic book fans who know who Kang the Conqueror is. That's a big get. They're like, oh, yes, finally, he's revealed. He's in the he's in the world now. And well, he's cameoing now because we already know he's going to be an yeah. Ant-Man. Right. But the counterpoint so, but, to that is that, like, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, like, I think the counterpoint to that is that, like, we've talked about this. The shows so far are not wagging the dog in terms of film. They're like they're very much ramping up, and I feel like you know Kang the Conqueror, um, played by is it Jonathan Majors? He's a big deal. He's going to premiere in Ant Man: Quantumania. I can't imagine that they'll be like, oh, we'll just sneak him in the end here. Same way that like you know we did the whole Mephisto thing uh, with like <laughs> l- yeah with Wandavision. We did the whole uh, you know sort of are the mutant appearing Quicksilver thing with WandaVision. So I can't imagine that we'll get Kang the Conqueror. So I don't think that we'll get a swerve that big. But I do I have a I have a little theory, but we'll get to that in a second. Sorry, I cut you off, Casey. No, no, you're, you're fine. Uh, but basically, yeah, like I at first, like you guys, I was like, oh, yep, it looks like there are timekeepers. But then like very early on in that final scene, I was like, yeah, I think they're going to pull the rug out from under us. Um, but what what I did think was important about that scene is the um the fact that we see Loki get pruned and then the after credit scene shows him wake mm. up somewhere yeah. leads me to believe Mobius is not dead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like something happened, uh, especially because of the fact that um Loki and Mobius leave out of that uh prison together and Mobius is immediately killed with no yeah. no chance to say goodbye, get his final moments, <laughs> or whatnot. It's like, okay, something happened before. Yeah. They walked out of there that basically safeguards him against that. Or what we see as pruning isn't necessarily like the end of you, right? Like yeah. there's something that happens maybe beforehand and there's a chance to still get to him. Yeah, because it's not a big moment. Like it, it's not like a big heroic mm. moment. He doesn't die sacrificing himself for Loki. He dies mm-hmm. taking Loki out of prison and then Loki is taken down to the timekeepers by Ravona. It's not how you say goodbye to an actor of like or a get of Owen Wilson's status in a show like this, I think. I cannot imagine that this is possibly the last time we see Owen Wilson. Particularly like I mean, I know he gets his big Yeah. I'll probably want to go ride a jet ski. I probably used to ride jet ski moment, which I have to admit, I did find strangely touching. Like it, it got me a little bit in my feels. It's like, it's like, I didn't feel this bad when Spider-Man evaporated out from like Tony Stark saying, I don't feel so good. But Owen Wilson saying, yeah, I, I probably had a jet ski. I'm like, Wait, I probably rode jet skis back in my old life. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, you probably did. And I, I wish I want you to, I want you to do it again. But I don't, I don't imagine that this will be the last that we see of Owen Wilson or the last we see of Mobius, which is good um i think because I, I again i do think that like that reveal at the end that loki is obviously still alive because we're not killing off tom hiddleston four episodes into the loki series i do imagine that's being set up for a big heroic moment at the end where all of the the, the deleted characters kind of come back you know which is is interesting i think um and with regards to yes yeah, so crazy idea in terms of like what's happening because i i think the way that the episode is structured with ravona you're right 
that she doesn't seem like she's in charge because she pops down at the start and she's not performing for anybody when she's talking to the timekeepers. And at mm-hmm. the end, the moment where Sylvie kind of like shakes her and, and points the stick at her and says, you're going to tell me what's going on. That's not a Agatha all along moment. That's not a moment where you go, well, actually, I was the villain all along. It mm-hmm. does feel like it's seeding something else coming along. Mm-hmm. And my crazy out there theory, and this is largely predicated on like how much of this seems to be taken from modern era Doctor Who, I'm wondering if it will turn out that Miss Minutes is running the show. If it will be like, because you have this whole question of like, who's running the TVA? And I like the idea that the TVA is just this organization that has been set up and has been running itself like a mindless bureaucracy. It's just operating according to rules and principles (laughs) with no guidance whatsoever. And it's just this artificial intelligence system that has been in place because it's either it like logically based on rule of conservation of character. It has to be either Miss Minutes or that guy who's never seen a fish. Because those are the only two act, only two characters who don't show up in this episode. And the only reason they don't show up in this episode is so that you get a wham next week. You forgot about them, didn't you, Oh well, Yeah, you ha- where where they've been this whole yeah, time yeah. that they show you, I was doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, was in the walls. Um, but like that's that's my out there moment is we'll probably get I, I think it might be Miss Minutes, and it might just be that like she was programmed by somebody or something, and she's been running the show and just running the show according to her programming. But like what about you, Amy? Who do you like do, are you do you think it's Verona? Do you think it's somebody we know? Do you think it's gonna be somebody we don't know? I mean, you make a really interesting point there that like it, the fact that it could, because it's been so meta. Like the thing that the episode really pointed out to me is that it became so meta. It like the show itself became its own meta. Um, it, in terms of its structure and what it was doing is very much what the TVA was doing, and it, it really makes me like. On a side note here, it makes me wonder if the multiverses actually do all exist. And they've been running and the whole time people have just been getting taken out of it and been made to, and this organization has been made to believe it. So out of fact that I have no other idea because I, I think we'll end up seeing like Ravona's history because yeah. it was pretty yeah. clear she stuffed up. She yeah. let Sylvie get away and, you yeah. know, she had her own hearing with a judge that, you know, off goes this variant with a pad that was this small child that should not have been able to do that. Yeah. Um, and so we absolutely need to find out how we got from the point we where they were there yeah. to where we are now. So I feel like they have to have some connection, but I kind of like the idea of it literally just being some entity like Miss Minutes just going, oh, golly gee <laughs> i took care of Isn't all that nasty swell? unpleasantness i'm yeah. just following my original programming as prescribed by um but yeah like and like i think you're onto something with like we are going to get a ravona backstory or a flashback next week because like i think it's notable that like we got so the week before last we got like hunter c20 the sasha lane character mm. this week we opened uh with sylvie's backstory as a child being hunted by the timekeepers um mm-hmm. we have we also got like the backstory of hunter b15 who i want to talk about as well because actually i really love that little arc i actually found myself caring more about hunter b15 than i mm. did most of the cast of falcon and winter soldier or wandavision <laughs> to be entirely fair which is kind of i don't know whether that's the praise of this episode or a criticism of those earlier shows but like 
like you've got that backstory. So the only major characters whose backstory you don't have yet, you don't know exactly what Mobius's backstory was, which mm-hmm. is why I'm wondering if there's still something in the air there involving him. Um, and then you also don't have Ravona's backstory either. You don't know who she was before she came to the TVA. And you don't know, as, as Amy pointed out, what happened between the embarrassing escape of Sylvie and like the present day where she's operating as a judge and the mm. will of the timekeepers. So I do, I think you're right that like next week, which is the penultimate episode, we will probably uh, get some of that. And yeah, I I, I will obviously um, just single out one me, uh, Mozaku as a Hunter B-15, who is a character I think I had largely written off as a dangerously overcast member of the primary cast. Because um, <laughs> I, I think like uh, Mozaku is an amazing actor. Um, she's been really good in everything I've seen her in. I think she, like his... she was in Lovecraft Country. Yes, she was. And she was also in um, His House, which is on Netflix. If you like good British horror, give that a watch as well. She's phenomenal in it. Um, and I re- like when she showed up in the first couple episodes of Loki, I was like, she's a bit overcast to be playing a goon. Um, and then this episode, I'm like, oh, just fantastic. I, I love her. I, th- I, like, I was like, yeah, hunt- you know, ride or die for Crokey, but also ride or die for Hunter B-15. <laughs> for Hunter uh- B-15, right, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I like how, like that, the information that, these Lokis brought back kind of spread through the TVA. Mm. It was like, okay, B-15, because she touched her and enchanted her a little bit, like it was just in her head that something was wrong. And the same thing with Moby. It's like all Loki had to do was say the TVA was lying to you for it to kind of stick in his head and for him to do more research. And like the fact that the TVA is lying to you, like I think that is more important than it sounds on the surface because even, again, I keep going back to that instructional video uh, that Miss Min is, uh, basically tells you in the beginning, right? Like, because in the first episode, I took it all at face value. Like, this is what the TVA is. They explain it to you what's exactly going on, right? Yeah. When we later learn that everything that they're doing is full of lies, you then have to go back and look at that video and realize that pretty much everything they explained is probably a lie. So that makes me say, like, they, they took Sylvie. As a young girl from the timeline, probably because she was born a girl. Like, that seems to yeah. be her real only crime, right? Like, all those other Loki variants seem to have mm. been, like, male-leaning or whatnot. She was the only girl. They're like, ah, oh, this doesn't fit with what we want to do. Get her out of here, right? But the the video tells you that they remove the deviant, like, the variant from the timeline, and they replace it so that it's fine. But it seems like they actually wipe it out. Like, Sylvie's timeline didn't mm. go on with, a, like, another version of her. Like, they destroyed it. Yeah. So any place they've gone, like even the place where Owen Wilson and his team went and like the little girl in the church, they killed all those people. Like that's what they've been doing. Like pruning the timeline and keeping the one sacred timeline basically means they're killing everything. Like they're not resetting it and making it whatever it was. Like because when you think about it, it doesn't make sense. People had that question in the beginning. And it's like, oh, it's fine. They just throw in (laughs) a copy of you. But that doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Like they're just killing all those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but this is the thing that I actually really, really glommed to it this episode. And I think what I really clicked with and what I really liked about it and why I think I've reacted to it like the same way that I reacted to Ragnarok. Because I think like, again, slightly lukewarm take that Darren has here where Darren says crazy, stupid things like the Thor trilogy is better than the Captain America trilogy. But I think that like one of the things I loved about Ragnarok was that it was the movie that kind of Civil War and like the Winter Soldier were trying to be but couldn't be and that it was a story about what it's like to grow up in a society and to realize that the foundations of those societies are built on lies and they're built atop the graves of soldiers and this mythology that you invested in and you believed in is all false and the 
only way to respond to that is to bring it all tumbling and crashing down. And I think what's fascinating about, like, Loki, at least so far, and I say this knowing that, like, two episodes from now I will look like a moron for saying this when the final twist reveals that it's not this at all. But one of the things that I find interesting about, like, Loki so far is that it seems like it's a thematic companion piece for Ragnarok. It's it's Loki's version of Ragnarok, right down to the fact of, like, finding an outcast from Asgard in a place where that person shouldn't be, who has been exiled because she doesn't fit the convenient historical narrative of that place. So, like Thor finds Valkyrie, Loki finds Sylvie, for example. And you have this idea, and, like, obviously, like, the Grand Marshal, you know, of Sakaar kind of lords it over and imposes his own mythology. Like, again, you think of, like, that video from the start of, like, Loki. It's very similar to the sequence in Thor Ragnarok, where the Grand Marshal has this, like, welcome to Sakaar tourist video, where it's like, Here's the entire history of Sakaar poured into your brain. But I think that, like, you get the same basic idea with the TVA. Because there's the wonderful moment where Ravona is sitting down with um, with Mobius. And she's having the conversation. She's saying, look, we, we don't just do this for the sacred timeline. We, we do this for us. That's what we're doing it for. We're really doing this for us. And you get the idea that, like, perhaps what's motivating the TVA is the idea of keeping the TVA in power. In that, like, they're maintaining a timeline in order to ensure that they still hold all the power. They get to decide, like, what is and what isn't and what the proper arc and flow of history is. Which is very similar to the idea that you get in Ragnarok where it's like, oh yeah, Asgard, this beautiful place with, like, golden spirals and towers is actually built on this horrible history of, like, conquering other nations and brutally murdering people. As, as mm-hmm. Casey said, it's like, yeah, we didn't bring peace to them. We murdered them. We horrifically <laughs> murdered them um but we just sold it as peace and i like the idea that loki's like okay we're going to do like a similar mirroring arc but for loki and we're going to make loki the hero of this story because like when you have like the, the key point in ragnarok is that like asgard is so broken or the the nation of asgard the empire of asgard is so broken that the only right thing to do at the end of that movie is to let sutar destroy it and destroy hela along with it And I like the idea that this is like, yeah, you know, the TVA is perhaps so broken and so dysfunctional that the only right thing to do at the end of this story is to let an agent of chaos, a kind of an anarchistic force, a bomb throwing anarchist in some senses or (laughs) operative of chaos, um, take it all down. And I, I kind of love that it's it's a crazy idea and it's not something that you could ever do with like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we talked about, because that would scare the audience watching it because like Sam Wilson can't actually liberate the camps because that would scare a large portion of the audience. We talked about how like, you know, you have to have the, you know, both sides have serious points. I mean, sure, you know, the, the Captain America who murdered somebody with the shield, he's not great. But on the other hand, those kids were stealing some vaccines, you know, just have to balance these things out. Um, Whereas I think that, you know, for fear of alienating audiences, but I think that like Loki can, commit to that loki can say well actually because this is a metaphor because this is abstract because yeah, it's not so far in the real, removed from the real like world actual yeah. physical locations and, and people and history yeah you can yeah. you can play with these ideas which is something i'm actually really enjoying about it because it's just kind of going for it i think um perhaps I, I wanted to point out as well um it, it does seem like sylvie's bombing of the timeline was more of a distraction yeah. than like a means to an end yeah so, like, it, it forced, like, pretty much every agent in the TVA to go out and handle it, yeah. which gave her the opportunity to go 
you know, see the timekeepers, which was foiled. So, like, I think we were maybe reading a little too yeah. much into that than there was going on. But the fact that uh, seemingly Loki finding himself or herself yes. at the end of the world was such such a like what the fuck moment for the universe that they were able to pull them out of it like what like what is that about like that's that's very odd to me that's that something like that would cause that big of a spike for the tva like what is that well, you think i think is happening there to me it was because they kept them layering it through the episode and i that was my i got a bit teary moment was like loki kept saying i deserve to be alone i deserve to be alone and mobius was like do you actually believe that like when he comes running in, he says, do you actually believe that? Um, and so it was this moment that the world just became so like catastrophic at the thought that a Loki is so much more powerful if they're not alone. Um, it kind of layering in this idea that we're seeing a lot more of in that we can't do it alone. Like we actually need people around us to build us up and, and actually help us succeed. And that's what Loki has been this whole time. And Mobius says it right in the first episode, like you, uh, your function in this world is to make other people better. So what happens when you make yourself better? What happens when you lend yourself your well, own I, hand? I love that as an analogy, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. sure, like maybe, maybe you can look at it as a people like groups coming together and you make each other better. But this is like self-love, yeah. right? This is like, a per <laughs> yeah. this is a character who um, has been lashing out throughout all of his stories because of his like own self-doubt, right? Yeah. So like the thing that the universe, I guess, couldn't handle was like, hey, this Loki actually loves himself. This yeah. Loki like is confident in his own abilities, even though it's <laughs> represented by another character. But it's him kind of finding himself and like that's what's breaking the universe. I love that. Yeah, no, like it, it's such a cheesy thing, but it's like I am all for like cheesiness with this because these are comic book characters. They're Norse gods. Yes. Let them be cheesy. It's the idea that, yeah, that Loki accepting and forgiving himself and loving himself and accepting that he is a person. And this sounds like such a corny, like self-actualization book blurb, but Loki accepting that he is a good person who deserves love is enough to break the fabric of the universe because <laughs> no, because like the universe that the timekeepers have built, this story or narrative that they have constructed is that Loki is not deserving of love. Loki deserves to be trapped in this box where he's continually punished and beaten down for these terrible things that he's done and he is incapable of changing and growing and of deciding who he wants to be and if he deviates from the template he should be punished and i love like that the, the you know at its core this story is like no you can change who you are you can accept who you are you can accept that you can be a very different person than a you physically are right now but b than everybody has ever told you that you are capable of being um, which is like it's incredibly like enriching and powerful and like yeah, a little bit teary eyed, you know? Yeah, like it, it's really it's really powerful because like we were all a little concerned that because this was a Loki from a previous timeline, mm. like where he didn't go through a lot of that growth that he got in Ragnarok, like how are they going to get him back to that point? Well, they snap their fingers to get him back to maybe that point, right? But not really. They let him essentially do a ton of character building with another character who just happens to be the same character. Yeah. Right. So like they kind of snuck under the radar a lot of that character development. 
like it, it's kind of brilliant. Like I, I really love like that the fact that the the thing, the thing that we told you this was about from the beginning is what it's about. Yeah. It's about Loki, yeah. right? <laughs> like it's about yeah. Loki. The whole story is about Loki. Like point blank, period. It's All everything that's going on revolves around him. Yeah. Like I love that because honestly, the first episode sold me on everything else. It sold me on everything but Loki. And like now, I've come full circle to be like, yes, tell me more about the the god of mischief. Sorry, Amy, you look like you're about to jump in there. Um, I th- I I think I've lost it now because I was just really enjoying what you were saying towards the end. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. And I went, I had something, but I don't anymore. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. But no, you're right. Like you kind of get sold on this idea of like this is Loki, and that's this is who they are, and. I think in him finding himself again, it's it's just so meta, but it's so lovely. Like you said, Darren, it's this really enriching moment of, you know, it's okay. And oh, I remembered what it was. I knew if I if if I just spun, I'd find it. <laughs> um, the the thing for me, because one of the things we heavily discussed was, like, do we think he'll become a different version? Like you mentioned, Casey. And I think what I really like about this is he has become a better person like we saw in the films, but in a completely different way. Like it is, this is still a completely different version because the surroundings have enabled him to not just become a support to lift someone up, but to say, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm cool too. Um and I think that's really nice that it has come to a different realization and not just, you remember that Loki you did all like, like, sure, you liked the bad guy one, but remember the version like you really liked? I like that they haven't just given us, you know, a differently baked version of that same bread. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I mean, I, I will stand up for the version that appeared at the end of, of Ragnarok, the one that's like, hey, I'm Thor's brother. I am you know, <laughs> capable of accepting that I can love Thor and Thor can love me. Like, part of me does actually want, like, the show to close with a cameo from Chris Hemsworth showing up and tell his brother to go fuck themselves. Because um, I feel like that would be a joke <laughs> that would land slightly differently now. Um, but uh, no, I, I do. I, I like I do like the. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and we just got it yeah sorry it just took a second um, like, yeah okay well I mean like again this is something I've been like again because I am extremely online I can't help but avoid it the weird reaction that like moral panic that people seem to be having at the idea of like Loki and Sylvie having chemistry together and the way in which like the show has like Mobius like act like a jealous <laughs> like a jealous partner like a jealous ex-boyfriend it's like look I don't really care what you two were getting up to uh, but I do secretly care and I'm gonna press you on it because I want to know deep inside myself <laughs> you cheater um but I do lo- I do like the idea and again it, it like for all that we talk about like the empowerment and self-actualization stuff which is absolutely there and I think is key to what makes this work I also love that like the show never loses sight of the fact that even with all that Loki is still a narcissist in that arguably <laughs> the only person Loki could ever truly love is a different version of himself. <laughs> in that if you could find another version of Loki, Loki would probably be able to find that person like attractive and would find themselves <laughs> drawn to it. And again, that kind of like weird Freudian thing where like at mm. the same time, like as we discussed when we were talking about the variant, where like Loki's like, oh, I don't, I don't work for the other Loki. We're not going to work as partners. You're going to work for me because I'm the real Loki. But I also like the push and pull of, yeah, but 
I also am the only person who likes Loki. So I don't know. I could totally be into this, which I kind of, I find that whole thing. I was amazed the show went there. Um, and I was kind of mm. amazed at the reaction to the show going there. Cause a lot of people were like, Ooh. And I was like, really? Are you surprised by this? Like, <laughs> like he, yeah. like, like Loki, like tried to like murder all of humanity. He tried to genocide the frost giants. This is not the ickiest thing that Loki has ever done by any stretch of the imagination, to be clear. Right, I, uh, like speaking of the internet, like I've been seeing a lot of uh, like just mythical Loki's greatest hits. Oh yeah, being thrown around, <laughs> and apparently he yeah. like had sex with a horse and had a horse kid like for yeah. a laugh or something. For, I like that <laughs> like, for a laugh. Just you know, you're on the down, you're, you see a see a nice stallion, you're like, yeah, I can do that. Um, he also yes does have a wolf kid as well. To be fair, Fenner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. So there you go. Yeah. Like This this is this is not unusual. This is what Loki does. Yeah. That's what it means. That's that's what makes a Loki a Loki. <laughs> like I think that's I think the thing that makes it so unusual though is you're not expecting it from Disney like yeah. from yeah. Disney yeah. Loki yeah. because. Like, you're right. Like, that is how, like, Fenrir and the Apocalypse, like, like, Ragnarok and that all start out of these ridiculous, absurd things that he's done. And, like, I'm totally fine with it when I see it in Assassin's Creed or anything else. But the second I see it here, it's like, huh? Um, <laughs> like, it really does give you pause. But, yeah. like, when you actually think about it, like, it's the type of thing that you kind of go, huh? And, and you kind of want to park it and not think about it. But the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. Yeah. And that troubles me in a way. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. So like, I, it's I, something I actually, that's going to have yeah. people asking uh, the question of themselves. Like, if I were a variant and if I came across <laughs> my <laughs> variant self, like, what are the questions I would have about that? Yeah, I, I would I would hope that I'm not that much of a narcissist. I would hope I'm slightly less narcissistic and self-obsessed than Loki. But, like, that's the thing that I find, find odd is the reaction to it is, like, ooh, it's self-cessed. And it's like, no, first of all, self-cessed isn't, isn't a thing that exists because... <laughs> no. Like, because right. because like we, the TVA doesn't exist and like alternate universes aren't things that we cross over and we don't encounter duplicates of ourselves. It is a metaphor and it is a metaphor for how the only person that is capable of loving Loki is perhaps Loki or Mobius, unless Mobius turns out was secretly a Loki. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm we, still, we're, <laughs> still the, got that little flag. Yeah, we still don't know if that's the case or not. Like <laughs> that's a very valid theory still. Yeah. <laughs> well, because well, one of the things, so... When Mobius got pruned, I'm going, I imagine they either get sent back to, like, their version of what their multiverse would have been. Like, I, I in, in a way, think, well, you've served your purpose now. Like, maybe they're actually trimming people that are going to be useful to them. Maybe it's actually got nothing to do with it. And when they're done, like, off you go back to some secondary time, like, some timeline that you weren't from originally, like, right? So I have a feeling that could almost be where it goes. It won't, but maybe. Um, and it really did make me think is especially when we saw nothing and then we get this after credit scene that it's like here is all these random yeah. Lokis just standing waiting and it made me go, is Owen Wilson randomly, are we going to wake up and then Owen Wilson's going to be there too and it's like... <laughs> It happened. Like, is he going to be in there with um, all the other all, all these Lokis? And yeah. I could see that happening, and I kind of dig it because, uh, again, it would just be so absurd. But would also because otherwise, how else do we get him back? Yeah, I, you're, you're kind of putting a theory in my head now. Yeah. 
like because if like what if that is what pruning is right like they they do it to timelines and they do it to people but also everyone who works in a tva is a variant so are they pruning some and then somehow brainwashing others or is that the same thing is pruning essentially sending you someplace to be brainwashed and turn into a tva agent or like what like i i don't think what we think pruning is is what it is especially mm. after that scene like we see loki show up somewhere so something is supposed to happen to him there and i'm and assuming all those other lokis were also pruned at some point and he's completely aware yeah uh, he's like what like Am it's not hell? like he's yeah yeah like he he know he's he's still him. There is still that essence of him there. Um, so he's retained all his memories and and thoughts, and then he sees a crocodile. <laughs> like there were other people there too, but there was a crocodile I, 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 yeah, with the hat. <laughs> I, I do love that Amy's like, oh yeah. By the way, Oscar nominee Richard E. Grant was also there wearing a comics accurate costume, but that's not important right, right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, his his. I, I did peep the the really funky Loki costume that I he was, dug he was it. rocking. Yeah, I I dug the like I dug that we have Richard. I love that like we have like Richard E. Grant, we have Jack Vale, uh, we have like uh, Debaya uh, Pari, and it's like which of these three actors are we going to put in like the Vision Halloween costume from One Division? <laughs> and it's like the one who probably charged the most, the one who is most recognizable, <laughs> and the one who just got an Oscar nomination after a very long and distinguished career. I kind of love like we're we're putting Richard E. Grant in the Halloween like the the Times Times Square Halloween costume, which I do. I love it. I am completely on board with it, and I do like that. I love that it's like yeah, an alternate version of Tom Hiddleston is like well, we're gonna just turn him into an older British character actor. So if Loki had been cast, if we'd been making these like Marvel movies in the sixties, if we'd done like an Adam West version of these, Mm. we would probably like it would have been Richard E. Grant, and he probably would have looked like that, which. I kind of love um, in terms of like just as a clever kind of meta casting kind of thing um, in terms of kind of other stuff jumping out of people in terms of the episode that we watch anything that we want to discuss anything that we haven't discussed already uh, that we think merits yeah like you you mentioned earlier uh, Loki and uh, Renova talking on the couch and she was basically trying to tell him like hey the timekeepers are happy with you when we go execute the Lokis we want you to be there like what do you guys think Maybe if mm. if he hadn't been caught red-handed betraying her, what, how do you think that situation – like, do you think she'd have been bringing him in on whatever the real Ooh. situation was? Or was it like a trap? Like, okay, you served your purpose. Now we have to get rid of you. So come in that room and we'll just kill all of you together. Or, or like, even I, like – I kind of never got the sense of what she wanted. Or mm-hmm. even like, well, you, you've begun – you're showing evidence that you are doubting. Because, again, like the whole thing yeah, is that – Yeah, because he it, was kind of showing doubt there yeah. too. Well, the whole thing is like it, it's a non-too-subtle metaphor for religion, which makes sense given that like Loki is a Norse god. And it's like this whole idea of having faith. And like the way in which like Wilson kind of talks about it. Sorry, I talk about like Mobius as if he's like a variant of Owen Wilson. Where instead <laughs> – I think somebody in the comments last week joked that it's like instead of selling so in the UK he sold jet skis and that was like the timeline branch that led them to prune him but like the idea that like Mobius like in the first ep- or second episode he's talking he's like you know uh, it's real because I believe it's real I have faith in them you know they created me to serve this purpose and by serving this purpose I'm fulfilled which is how a lot of people see like religious belief which is like why am I here what is the purpose do I have like a series of guidelines that are handed down by an authority I don't understand so I feel like the, the whole bring him in front of the timekeepers was Ravona kind of making a mad punt to kind of save him or to keep him. 
because it's like okay look he hasn't seen because he, he says he hasn't seen the timekeepers ever mm-hmm. so it's like okay he's, he's he's been happy he's been working he's got faith in the system he's one of my best agents he's beginning to show doubt what if we bring him in a little bit and what if he sees them and what if he you know he knows now that they're real he has a little bit more faith to go on can we buy him and actually one of the things you mentioned there casey which i think is worth coming back to the flashback sequences uh, with uh, young Sylvie, which I thought was were fascinating. Mm-hmm. The staff of the TVA is entirely different, which I thought was mm. fascinating. So like yeah. Ravona hasn't always been a judge, I think, as you pointed out. But like even say the receptionist is not the same receptionist that you have um, in the first episode of Loki. And the idea of like, where is the judge gone? And I do think that there is an interesting idea that they're churning through these. So, like, it's a natural cycle. So every TVA agent maybe eventually, like, questions and doubts. And then they get kind of cast out to wherever these characters end up, which looks like a destroyed version of New York, because um, it does have, like, the broken down Avengers Tower in the background, I think. Uh, you can see kind of over their shoulders, uh, which is interesting. Huh. That is yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, I, I have a pet theory about what that might be, but I'm going to save that for big guesses for next week. But uh, anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already about the episode in question? I feel like it was such a meaty episode that there's undeniably yes. things that like have been missed. Like if I actually sat and went through it bit by bit, like there were probably other things I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, the main thing being like I really need to know Ravona's story. Like I need to know how she has come to this position that she's in now because clearly she's been there for a lot longer than other people because Sylvie says she's been on the run for a long time. And even though she's, like, younger in, like, she's still young in age, I mean, like, she's a demi, like, she's God. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to see where that path leads. Um, I can't wait to find out who on earth these robot fake lizards were. <laughs> we're working for. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I just, I really liked all of it. I thought it was really nifty. Um, I don't think I ever touched on, like you said, the moment with Hunter B-15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was such a beautiful moment, like this get here. Um, and the fact that that was what was able to save them in that moment was the doubt and the renewed like belief that they'd given her I thought was just just really nice and you know it would be kind of cool if we almost see the same thing come back assuming that they're not the orchestrator of all this uh if it's oh I think I think the character's name uh whoever had the infinity stones on the little trolley yeah I was gonna say it's Casey um (laughs) And then I'm like, wait, am I thinking that's the actor's name and that wasn't his character? Because um, why do they have a name and everyone else is a number? <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. No, wait, wait, was that possibly just like initials though? Because it's like B15C20. Well, no, it, I, I, I tend to watch with captioning. Ah, they okay. spell his name out, C-A-S-E-Y. Oh my God, it's not Miss Minutes, it's Casey after all. Um, um, what actually- so, I don't know. I do. I do think um, on the point of B fifteen. We. I mean, she kind of like lets them free and seems to bounce out of that room. Like I, I don't <laughs> think she gets like they don't show her get knocked out and she's like not on the floor or something. So I'm assuming she maybe goes back out to the rest of the TVA and probably continues to spread that that doubt. Right. Like we may get kind of a, a like I, I think I said at, at some point in the future uh, in the past rather. <laughs> 
Uh, time is relative. Who cares when it actually says Variance, yeah. Right. But I do think we'll get some sort of TVA civil war where like they're kind of just all mm. at each other's throats. The ones who believe and the ones who, you know, have doubt or are starting to remember. Yeah. Like a schism in the church or whatever. Like yeah. So, the, the so that would be my prediction is that we'll we'll see the TVA kind of just break loose into all all out chaos. Um, and just on B-15, which is odd because it makes it seem like B-15 is now my secret favorite character of Loki. Um, despite ha- never, I don't think we mentioned her in any of the previous three episodes. But I love that. Like, Yeah, she really didn't get too no, much to do. But I love that like she gets her that lark where she starts out as this jackbooted thug. Like in the first episode, she is like really aggressively mean to Loki. She's tortured. Mm. She's like the bad guard in like a Guantanamo Bay movie where she's just like torturing <laughs> him for the sake of it. Like there's about like she confiscates his knife she's like why are we using the variant with all the contempt in it as well she's arguably more of like a true believer than mobius and i like that she gets a redemption arc that like even in loki it's like yeah even this character who you like are introduced to as the most fascist character in the show can like turn around and make a choice to be a hero which i thought was really really great all right then so uh just to, to kick us off and get us ready for next week, I'm going to ask for crazy predictions. And since Amy kicked off the episode, I'm afraid I'm going to throw it to Amy first. What's your crazy prediction, whether for this week or next week or for the whole show? Croaky Loki is going to be a star. <laughs> That's, That's... A break, breakout hit. He's, he's the Christmas present. He's the big Disney Christmas toy push. It's going to be like a stuffed croaky. <laughs> like, they missed the boat um, on, on, on like Baby Yoda. They're going to hit croaky pretty hard. Well, well, I mean, to be fair, like... You have like your spider ham and and all sorts of fun weird things like that. Stuff it. Give me a crocodile. Like give me crocodile with helmet. <laughs> like it's not the most absurd thing we've seen. If it can talk, then it's gonna get real weird, and I'm all for it. Like give me the B grade Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, well, actually, they're already like the B grade. Like with a like, woo! Look at us go. And I love that. And I feel like this almost is gonna go down that line, and it be like. <laughs> Like, I want them to have, okay, here's, okay, here's my crazy prediction that I'd like to see is like a, like a D grade, like not even a B grade, like a D grade Avengers moment where it's like, we're the Lokis. (laughs) (laughs) And then like one of them's just holding the crocodile and it just says, I am Loki. Um, (laughs) Loki That's what I want. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but well, okay, like we because we haven't like we haven't talked that much about director Kate Heron. Uh, he says fifty one minutes into the episode, but I do actually think the direction was really good this week. I think the direction for the show has been pretty good overall. But I think it was really good this week. I loved, for example, like the shots with Loki and Mobius confronting Ravona, the way in which it was framed so that you got the mm. floor and the ceiling, so it made them look particularly trapped. Like it made the screen look super wide, which made them look like they were particularly boxed in, which I thought was very clever. And the fact that like Amy, you were joking about like a D list event that shot is framed explicitly like Loki waking up and staring at the Avengers you know that moment for yeah. the Avengers where Hawkeye is staring down which you saw in the first episode when we did that whole MCU binge thing so I think that you're not unreasonable there I also do love the idea that like Thor at the end of like uh, you know Endgame Thor gets to go off with Guardians of the Galaxy and I love that Loki's equivalent to that is to go off with a version of dimensionally yeah. displaced versions of himself because it's the only team that he would ever respect. Uh, KC, yeah. what is your pitch? Uh, on the subject of Thor, I, I guess I'm going to uh, throw out that we will get a Thor cameo mm-hmm. 
Do but it. Say it will it. not be Chris Hemsworth. It will be a Thor variant who shows yeah. up at some point. It'll be for Matt Damon. Comedic no, Matt Damon <laughs> needs to show up. <laughs> but Matt Damon is confirmed back for Love and Thunder. I think they should get Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck should be like the oh. Loki. That, like, that's, that, that's he should be the Thor variant. Like that's the thing. Oh my god, that would be hilarious. Yeah. That would be hilarious. But yeah, that's that's my out there prediction. We'll get a Thor variant cameo as a joke. Like yeah. he won't Natalie Portman. And then the internet explodes. Um, <laughs> let it, let it burn. Um, I love that we're like, we're like, yeah, launch those bombs. Just launch those bombs into the internet and just Yeet watch em. what happens. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so my, I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to do two predictions, one of which I think is, is fairly likely and one of which is completely unlikely, but I want to do it anyway. Uh, the one that I think is likely is that it will turn out that the realm that Loki is in is like some sort of comic book limbo. It's where forgotten comic book characters go metaphorically. So it just has all these landmarks uh. from all these alternate timelines that were purged. You know, when the bombs were set and things just fall into it and it's kind of like the subconscious of like the multiverse is basically it's just somewhere where things go where they're forgotten because it has a bit of a Grant Morrison feel to it and the whole show does so I think metaphorically that's what it's going to turn out to be and my crazy big out there prediction we're two episodes from the end this is not going to be the case but if it happens I want to be the guy who called it the icon in the background of the timekeepers did you notice it the little shape that's kind of looped over it's red and it's like a little diamond and it's got two lines off the bottom that looks a little bit like one of the runic o's in the loki logo so i am wondering if it's going to turn out that loki might be one of the forces behind the tva an alternate version of loki because we talked about huh. when we started the the season that like the core theme was Loki was his own worst enemy. And like the show kind of like wrong footed us by giving us the variant who turned out to be Sylvie. And it's like, oh, it is. And then it's like, oh, no, Loki is Loki's best friend. And I'm wondering if we might get a late twist that Loki is also Loki's biggest enemy. I don't think that sounds far off at all. I like I reckon bang on that could be where it goes. That yeah, there was exactly a version that, that, that there was absolutely a version that turned around and said, well, then I get to have my power. One that truly was the villain. Yeah. One that actually said, I win. Yeah. Um, and I think that could be a really interesting idea. And also wouldn't feel out of place either. Like you wouldn't, like it's not a last minute reveal where you go, well, that kind of sucks. It's like, yeah. well, the whole show's <laughs> been playing into this idea of there being lots of Loki. Yeah. So it's not like you're like, it was that guy all along. It's like, well, it was another Loki. And you're kind of right. okay with that idea because it's already been layered through. Yeah. So I actually think you could be on the money there. We've so had, you yeah, five got Loki's. that flag. Six is too many. <laughs> Six is like, I like that. Five Lokis is my limit. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. No, no, I, I think, yeah, I think that prediction is actually a lot stronger than any of the crazier ones uh, you've come up with <laughs> <laughs> in the past. I will say, hey, I, I did call the timekeepers not being real. I, I'll put my hands up and say that. Um, or, and I did call it being Agatha all along. Those are my two big ones. Those are the two times I was right. Allow me to wave those flags. All right, then. I think that about wraps it up. So, yes, take it easy, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week where we'll be discussing the penultimate episode of Loki, the fifth of six episodes. Um, until then, I've been Darren Mooney. I've been Casey Wosu. And I've been Amy Campbell. And take care. Excelsior.